Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I am your host, Kane Pittman, here with my good friend and regular guest on the podcast, Justin Garcia, as the Bucks uh, back in Milwaukee, carrying a three-game losing streak with them, a rare losing streak. But uh, perhaps more interesting times about to come through for the NBA and maybe sports in, in general, Justin. We haven't really brought this up on the podcast yet, but I think that this is something that's definitely going to affect uh, the fans and, and and many listeners of this podcast. So um, it's probably worth at least bringing up the fact that there is going to be a, a meeting with uh, owners and 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 uh, governors of the of the NBA teams tomorrow, and there's going to be some sort of plan put in place for what's going to happen next for the NBA with the coronavirus. And we've already seen uh, from our perspective as, as media members, I haven't personally yet as I wasn't on the road trip, but the fact that they've implemented the no locker room access and this uh, six to eight foot uh, barrier between, between players and media, we're going to see that come into effect tomorrow when the Bucks practice in Milwaukee. And then obviously at the game on Thursday night with the Celtics, but this is all starting to escalate pretty quickly and honestly, like if I had to guess, and from what I'm seeing with other things we're seeing with college basketball, other major events, I don't think we're too far away from the NBA saying, and, and potentially tomorrow or today as people are listening to this, that, that fans are going to be locked out as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would guess it'll be tomorrow afternoon after uh, the conference call and meeting that they have. We'll hear something to that effect. Uh, I was telling you before, too. Uh, we're not even doing our our usual post game interviews after games, where uh, even that has been brought to an end. And that's something where you know it, it's us in our section at the arena, elevated above the court, talking to players. So they're taking that much precaution that it certainly feels like uh, by the weekend something is going to happen. And you know, you brought up what's going on with uh, college and what we've seen over in Italy and with some other sports. I mean. What, what do you think is going to happen? What is more likely to happen that we see some type of postponement or we just see empty arenas? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I think that they'll probably just go ahead with, with empty arenas. And I didn't really think about this because when they talk about um, essential personnel, I, I don't know. I, I guess I was uh, thinking otherwise, but uh, just talking to some of the people we work with, obviously Eric, who are, uh, I'm good friends with, former host of this podcast, he sort of said, oh, we'll, we'll, we should be able to come into games. And I never really considered that. But I guess that's true. And it's kind of funny to even think about that, that, uh, you know, we would still be there because, I mean, people still need to watch the games. I mean, they're not going to stop broadcasting the games. So um, that in itself is interesting. I don't know about you, but I, I couldn't really imagine uh, sitting up in, in the media seats in the corner there in 109 watching a game with a completely empty stadium. And maybe, and you know, like maybe if, if you're not happy with a rotation or you're not happy with something, uh, you might just be able to yell out to Bud and, and maybe Bud would be able to hear 
Ted calling the games and, and all, all that kind of stuff. It would be just a, I can't even, I cannot even picture this. I can't even imagine this. I know Bud joked about the fact that as a former uh, D3 uh, player, he can imagine playing in front of empty gyms, but this is, this is, this is unbelievable. Would you even stay in 109 or would you just move down to somewhere, you know, within the first two rows of the court? Well, I feel like if you got any anywhere close to the court, you might get like headlocked by someone that's uh, that's trying to restrict uh, people from getting close. I'm not sure. I, honestly, I just have no idea what they what they would actually what they would actually do. But again, uh, I, I it's I, I think that all jokes aside, there. I mean, I, I do feel and and I understand why there is going to be some backlash from probably teams and people that are going to lose money and certainly people that aren't going to be able to work through this and, and, and generally will be affected by this. And this is going to the, really change their lives for the next few weeks here. I just think that for what we want, and that is the league to be back to normal and everything to be back to normal as, as soon as possible. For me, if it's, if it's uh, play games with empty arenas for two, three weeks, a month, whatever it takes, I don't really care. Do whatever you need to do to make sure uh, that you can get back to normal as soon as possible. I mean, that seems like the logical thing. You know, in all seriousness, too, um, with everything now moving to the podium and um, non-essential personnel not in the locker room, do you see that coming back? Because this feels like it's a way for the post-game itself, which I know, you know, has we've all kind of dissected how that is handled, and you've seen a lot of people write about it and put out their think pieces on it, but – this is also a way for the NBA and for every league, for that matter, to say we're starting over and we're not doing this anymore where people outside of the team are coming into the locker room. I see both sides of it where, you know, you see beat reporters and people like yourself too saying this is where we get, you know, that access and get to build that rapport. Um, I can't speak to the NFL and NHL and the other leagues. You and I only know what we see there in those locker rooms and at things like uh, practice and shoot around you can get most of that access at the ladder to there at practices and shoot arounds. I know it's not the same, but you can still get most of it that I wonder if this is a, you know, way for the NBA and for every league for that matter to kind of retool and you know, the post game experience is not the same after this. Let me tell you about my secret weapon for learning new things and getting ahead. It's hard to find the time to sit down and read and learn more. When you don't have free time, you can't read or work on personal development. There is an incredible app that solves this problem, and I highly recommend it. It's called Blinklist. Blinklist is really unique, and it works on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser. Blinklist takes the best key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books, and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. 12 million people are using Blinklist right now and it has a massive and growing library. From self-help, business, health to history books, Blinklist has the latest titles from bestsellers lists as well as the classic non-fiction titles you always meant to read but never had time to. With Blinklist, you can get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed non-fiction books, all the books you want and all for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinklist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinklist.com slash NBA. Try for free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinklist spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Blinklist.com slash NBA. 
to start your free seven-day trial. You also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at blinklist.com slash MBA. Yeah, I mean, it, it genuinely is. And, and as you know, I mean, this has been something that I've really come into over the last two seasons. Obviously, there's been people that have been doing it for, for much, much, much longer than I have. But it certainly is, even for me. Uh, it's, it's a great opportunity, uh, not only post-game, but, but certainly pre-game as well, uh, where you get to sort of talk to these guys a little bit. And it's not always on the record, and it's not necessarily always about a story you're trying to get to, but it is that relationship building and, and, uh, and just the fact that you're a consistent presence in there. They see you in there. And you know what it's like in Milwaukee. I mean, it's different all over the place, but these guys um, do recognize uh, us as people that are always there. And I, I think for the most part, understand that we're – you know, not in there to, to pester them or bother them. It's, it's always respectful. And that would be a big thing if that was taken away forever. I don't think that that's going to be the case, particularly with the NBA. I think that Adam Silver does a great job with uh, giving uh, not only us as media, as workers, but, but the fans access as much as possible. So I don't think uh, that that would be restricted because, I mean, the, the big thing is you take that away uh, you really, really hurt the ability to get these great stories that people get uh, from one-on-one conversations. If you turn this all into to press conferences and podiums, then uh, those great quotes and those, uh, those great anecdotes that we see in these stories often come from, as you pointed to, practice and shoot around in one-on-one situations where uh, there isn't someone uh, listening to your question and filming on the, over your right shoulder and then putting it directly on Twitter. You know, this is, this is a, a one-on-one thing you have with an athlete. So I, I, I don't really have any concerns about that, that it would never come back, but um, it's, it is important. It's certainly, you know, not something that I think uh, is, is a waste of time or, or an invasion of privacy or something that shouldn't happen. I, I think it is important for sure. Uh, yeah. I think really the biggest thing is uh, the differences between those other things we mentioned, like, covering the team's practice and shoot around it and games is when you're in the locker room after the game, you have access to every single guy. So maybe Giannis or Chris had the big game or Bledsoe and everybody's huddled around them. But if you're working on something and you see there's Urson, I'm going to go grab him for a couple minutes. It's not as easy to do that at shoot arounds and at practices because we don't see all the players and they can just leave without ever seeing us that, you know, that's when you have to work with the PR department. So that's really the biggest, uh, deterrent to it but I'm going to be interesting to see that and you know we mentioned at practice tomorrow going forward too with all the scrums that you have there those are going to be out of the door out of the window um so how those are handled moving forward which you know is you can attest to this too as somebody who has been in there in many scrums part of you is uh yeah that's that's it's going to be interesting to see how they handle it moving forward but another part uh, eliminating the scrum isn't necessarily a bad thing Oh no! Trust me. I mean, I I, I actually really um, enjoy the the press conference room with Bud for that reason. Um, it's just a lot easier to ask you questions, and and certainly um, in Milwaukee, the PR uh, group does it does a great job of of making sure that uh, everyone gets your questions in, and and whatever you need to ask gets asked. And sometimes that's not the case in a scrum where uh, people shout over the top of each other, and it's 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 a real tussle in there so again i mean if you're concerned about people being in close proximity to each other and touching each other and that sort of stuff then yeah uh uh, trying to eliminate those scrums right now in a period like now would be uh, a pretty smart idea so yeah i mean like i said we just hadn't gone into it in depth too much but but keep an eye out for the news tomorrow afternoon uh wednesday afternoon that is you're going to see some stuff and, and just don't be surprised if if 
Um, whether or not this it happens for this Bucks Celtics game or the Bucks Warriors game on Saturday night, uh, I think that this is only heading in one direction. And um, you know, for the time being, it, it sucks for so many reasons, but it also uh, just makes a lot of sense. And and I don't think that it, it's something that should just be ignored. Yeah, and you know the the um, not to make light of it, but the the thing that really sucks the most for the Bucks is eight of your next ten. Yeah, are, no kidding. No, yeah, yeah. We know how well they play at home, and really now is the time where you need that home court advantage. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're talking purely from uh, what's going to happen moving forward in this regular season, and and then and then into the playoffs, there's no doubt that the Bucks are, uh, are going to get stiffed by this a little bit, uh, just by by virtue of being. Uh, having such a, a heavy road schedule out of the All-Star break. But uh, this might be something that we can transition into now because uh, I know I saw a tweet from you earlier this evening, which had some of the numbers for the Bucks post-All-Star break. And, and I'm not necessarily someone, as the listeners know, particularly over the last week, that's been feeling too negative about the losses. I mean, you lose to a couple of, you know, Good teams. Obviously, the Lakers very good. Miami pretty good, and then uh, you know you have a, a weird, a weird night like the one in Denver. But I mean, still four losses in five games is strange for this team. But my bigger concern is with some of the numbers in general since the All Star break. Now we know that this team up until that point was a juggernaut offensively, uh, led by Giannis. But since uh, All Star weekend in Chicago. The Bucks' offensive rating of 107.3 ranks 27th in the NBA. Now, they still have the best defense. It's actually gotten better uh, since, the, since the All-Star break with a defensive rating of 100.7. But to be ranked the 27th most efficient offense since the All-Star break is, uh, is more than uh, just a little bit troubling. And, and I'm just curious to ask, without going into any more numbers here, uh, or before I do go into any more numbers here, I mean, is there anything in particular that you look at and say, um, I, this, is, this is where the problem is or, or this is why the Bucks have been struggling offensively? Well, and, you know, the, the, um, the defense component, too, um, still tops. So the Lakers are, are basically the same as them last I checked, I think. But going into the Lakers game on, um, on Friday night, their defensive rating since the all-star break was uh, like 95 or something. So it's taken a yeah. big hit yeah. Yeah. over the weekend. Um, you know, I was talking about it on one of my shows earlier tonight too, of trying to figure out what is really the biggest concern right now. And you, you certainly point to the offense and see where they're ranked fifth overall, but 27 since the break. And is that, you know, Chris Middleton missing some time and now Giannis missing two games. Is it just malaise where, you know, at one point, you know, you're 52 and eight and you're already in the playoffs. You're just waiting for the postseason to get here. Uh, is it a more difficult schedule? Six games in nine days, too. Is this team just worn down? And a lot of it you pointed to was on the road. It's a number of factors that, you know, it just feels like this was what most of us pointed to and said, once you get to March, it's going to be really tough. So having that 10 or so game lead, and the record that they ran out to was was so vital for this team to build up that lead in case you went through these struggles that I don't really know if it's one thing we can point to. I think everything run through there kind of has attributed to what we've seen now in these last 11 games. But, you know, it, look, the same at, at the same time, 
every team has to go through this, that you don't just race through the regular season and blow through the playoffs and get to the finals. Every team faces adversity, even, you know, to a lesser extent, that 73-win Warriors team, obviously at the end of the season. But at the end of the regular season, I think they lost three of five games too. So uh, you have to experience this. And I think a lot of Bucks fans start to take things for granted when you look at the last you know, year and three quarters of just how successful they had been under Budenholzer and, you know, what we're not used to seeing that it's easy to kind of take the success for granted. And now we're seeing, okay, every team goes through spurts like this and now it's how you move forward. Yeah, it's interesting when looking at the two key splits for this team. We know that they have a guy like Chris Milton that, that's getting up a, a bunch of mid-range shots. And even even Giannis has, has been bumping up those numbers a little bit over the last month here. But the two key components for mine, points in the paint for this team and also three-point shooting, points in the paint uh, for the Bucks uh, on the season is at 50 uh, points per game, which ranks them fourth in the league. Now, if you look at the, the post uh, all-star break numbers for the Bucks. That's dropped down to 46.2, which you know isn't a huge jump, but that is ranked 19th in the league. So they've seen a, a dip there. Now, we know Giannis has missed a couple of games. There's no question about that. But the big one is the three-point shooting. And I feel like I've spoke about this a lot over the last couple of weeks. But there's some pretty ugly numbers for the Bucks. They're down to 32.9% from three uh, post-all-star break uh, as a team, that is. And, and some of the numbers for some of the key guys that the Bucks would really need to shoot the ball well. Chris Milton, 32.8%. Uh, Brooke Lopez, 28.6%. We know he's struggled all season long. George Hill down to 28.6%. Marvin Williams, 28 uh, And Giannis, 263 So that's the bulk of your guy. Uh, a, a Certainly a, a significant portion of your rotation that is not shooting the ball well. And then you even have a guy like Pat Connor and just over 33%. Same for Wes Matthews, 339 uh, so really none of the key guys that you want shooting the ball and you'll need shooting the ball well in the playoffs uh, are doing it to a to a high caliber. Now, a question for you. I've just about named everyone on the roster, so you might be able to to, to nail this one when I ask you this, but who would you say is leading the Bucks in three-point percentage since the All-Star break, if you had to guess? Ugh. Dante? Well, he's actually down at 34.1%. So it's, it's, fortunately, there is someone shooting better than that. Uh, it's not Wes, is it? It's not. It's, it's, uh, it's Robin Lopez. Okay. 52% from three for Robin since the All-Star break on 2.5 attempts per game. So he's, uh, he's really been striking it. But that, that's, a, that's obviously concerning. And uh, this has always been a, a thing for the Bucs and, and something we, we certainly saw during the playoffs last year. They got a bunch of guys that can shoot the ball pretty well. But do they have enough knockdown shooters that will be able to carry the Bucs through cold stretches in the playoffs? That remains a big question mark for me. But certainly... That has been just a, a huge factor for this team since the All-Star break. And again, as we keep pointing to it without making excuses, perhaps that is the fatigue of being on the road a lot and playing a, a whole bunch of games, several back-to-backs. Uh, your legs are going to go if you're fatigued. And the longest shot in the game, the three-point shot that the Bucks do rely on a little bit to stretch the floor and space things out for Giannis uh, to get to the basket, that might be the first thing that goes. Now, uh, that could concern you moving forward. But as it stands right now, that's probably going to be one of the keys for the Bucs to get back rolling again. The, yeah, the three-point shooting is um, 
it's been interesting where, you know, just outside of the all-star break, they were just basically okay. And then they had that outburst against the thunder. And then after that, the wheels kind of fell off where they had back-to-back yeah. games of hitting just seven threes. And, you know, you mentioned the percentages, I think uh, they've shot 20% or lower than 30% in uh, like four of the last five games from three. So uh, that's, you know, certainly not been ideal, but uh, I go back to the Lakers game that everybody points to. And you know, this is where you need Chris. And I guess I just struggle with, we, we dealt with it somewhat last year, but is Chris Middleton not allowed a stretch where he <laughs> just goes through struggles that, you know, last year is one thing, but this year, before this month of March where he started out pretty cold, but then bounced back against the Suns, he had three straight months of shooting 50% or better from the field and 40% or better from three. Like that's not just a hot stretch. It's three months of doing it. Yeah. It's interesting for Middleton still up to at 48.7% from the field and 93% from the free throw line. So it's really just been from the outside. And I spoke about this a little bit with Frank uh, the other day as something to keep an eye on. Uh, prior to that, uh, to this last little five-game stretch, Chris Middleton had only attempted 10 three-pointers in three games for the entire season. He's done that against Miami, two for 10. Against the Lakers, two for 10. And then uh, Phoenix, three for 10. So uh, all of a sudden in, this, in the last week, in that stretch, uh, he's been getting up more threes. And again, whether that's uh, him trying to get back in that rhythm. And we saw that happen against Phoenix. After a slow start, he really, really got rolling and was red hot for the rest of the game. But again, maybe that's also him taking an easier option and saying, my legs are a little bit tired. I'm just going to pull up for a three here instead of working the post and, and shoot those turnarounds and get to his spots as he has. I mean, that's that's something that, that'll be interesting to watch, but his volume is on the rise. Yeah, and I guess I'm just not concerned about him because of you know, ah. when, yeah, and, and I'm not saying you are. Yeah, I know for sure. Yeah, because it's you know it's not ten games or fifteen games where he got hot. That it's it's been the whole season. And you know, like I said before, that things had gone almost too well for the team this yeah. year. That every team has to experience this, and it, it just it feels like once we get into the postseason and you're in the second round or even the conference finals, we're going to look back and say, remember that you know ten day stretch the first. 10 days or so of March where it looked like what's going on with this team. And some people were panicking. Remember how long ago that feels like? Well, I mean, that would be lovely. I, I certainly hope that's, that's what we're thinking. And again, uh, as we sort of pointed to the Bucks now get home and, and they get to just get a, get a couple of practices in and find their rhythm again and, and hopefully get healthy. I mean, I, I know for the most part, the guys that rested in that game in Denver was just that. It was just rest. But we know, you know, obviously Bledsoe had some swelling in that knee. George Hill uh, still recovering from that that shot in, in Miami that he took. So, uh, and then, of, of course, Giannis, which we'll wait and, and, and see on his availability heading into this game against Boston. But uh, before we finish this, I, I had a question for you because I was thinking about this earlier because it's it's not all doom and gloom. We should say that. I mean, the Bucks still clearly uh, at the top in the East and in a in a really 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 strong position uh, heading into the into the postseason and a better position than they were in last year. We should add that because this were, were this was certainly not the conversation we were having this time last year. Uh, so that's we should all keep that in perspective. But do you have? And I'm putting you on the spot here. I know, but do you have a favorite game or a favorite win? from this season so far? 
wow. Uh, I, I feel like a couple of times this year I've said, well, is this the Bucks' best win of the season? I mean, yeah. I guess what stands out the most are probably the two Los Angeles games at home where um, you beat the Lakers in a game that was basically the exact same scenario we saw Friday, only the Lakers came out on top, and the Clippers game where you jumped up, what, 47, I think, at one point they were up <laughs> on the Clippers. Um, those would be the two that stand out the most. I guess I would say, uh, I mean, there's been a handful where you think, oh, all things considered, these are nice games. So I guess just for everything involved and for the moment of Giannis crowning himself too, I would say the Lakers game. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that, that's certainly fair. I actually, so the, the game that always comes back to my mind when I think about this and, and for everyone out there, you can uh, certainly have your say at Locked On Bucks uh, and, and let us know which was your favorite win of the Bucks season this year. But I, I just keep going back to opening night uh, in Houston. And there's a few reasons for that. And I actually pulled out the box score to, to remind myself of some of these numbers. Remember, obviously, Giannis fouls out. And, and that's when you really think that the Bucks are in trouble. And, and not that it would have really mattered if the Bucks lost this game on opening night. But I think it was just a, a sharp reminder after... What we saw, I mean, the last time we saw this team outside of preseason was in the in the postseason. They were losing uh, on the road. So in a game where you think that you're probably about to go down when you lose the, the reigning MVP with minutes still on the clock. And uh, by the way, he had 30 points, 13 rebounds, and 11 assists in that one. You get great contributions from Brooke Lopez. Essendon Sova stood up and had a double-double in that one. And maybe the other big thing was, was the first real indication we got of Bud's trust in Wesley Matthews defensively. He played a big role on James Harden on that night. And just one other thing from that game, Dante DiVincenzo, DMP, coach's decision. Things have changed quickly. Well, it it wasn't until, uh, what, the Magic game, right, that we saw Dante, really? Yeah, we saw both Dante and Sterling, and we thought that that was going to be a breakout for both of them. It hasn't quite uh, panned out for Sterling to this point, but Dante certainly hasn't looked back, and it's... uh, yeah, that feels like a long, long, long time ago, but uh, I guess I guess it wasn't it wasn't that long ago at the start of this season. Well, and you know, if we look at last night too, or the loss to uh, to Denver, it almost feels like because of the starting five that we saw, people aren't really focused on. Hey, the Bucks have lost three in a row. That it was almost when you saw the starting five, I didn't expect to win, but hey, they made it close. So now let's we're moved on. And we're focused on Boston. That it doesn't seem like we're seeing. Or, or sensing the sky is falling as much. Whereas, you know, if it was everybody but Giannis, I think there'd be a little more consternation. Yeah, I think that's the case. Uh, the, the, the one thing I always remind or, or try to remind people is that uh, losses in March are a lot less painful than losses in May or June. And I, I just am not going to get too worked up about uh, losses at this time of year based on what we've seen in the past. I think we, we know that the win totals ultimately are fun but they don't they don't really mean a lot once you get to the start of a playoff series so uh that was kind of an interesting podcast we had a we had a kind of weird gap day here like i said the bucks are going to practice tomorrow so we'll hear from them there might be some big developments around the league uh the podcast tomorrow is going to be a bucks celtics preview uh i haven't seen those guys for quite a while so it's going to be interesting uh to see uh, how that matchup goes the celtics really struggling so you got a, a matchup between two teams that probably want to pick up a win, I would say. So that, that's going to be an interesting one. But uh, as I said the other day, 
I know Locked On Bucks is the best podcast on the Locked On Network, but there is plenty of other podcasts out there. And today, I want to uh, pump up my my Aussie friend, Josh Lloyd, at the Locked On Fantasy Podcast. If anyone plays fantasy and you want to get tips from the guru, Josh is your guy. I'm on that one from time to time, talking a little bit of Bucks. So make sure you check out that one after you listen to this pod. But like I said, back tomorrow to talk Bucks Celtics. But for now, for... Justin Garcia and myself, Kane Goodman. We'll catch you guys tomorrow.